good news is the Maple Leafs are two and one, and the bad news is that they got a goaltending performance in game number two that inspired Keith to brush up on his video editing skills <laughs> on a Saturday uh, afternoon and edit a promo for us from our last pod where we were dumping on Freddie so that we could get in on the action. Uh, Keith, this is the, the start that we feared, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, um, I mean, we, we've, we talked about it. We, we kind of had the concern going in. We, uh, what Fred was like all last year. I think, I mean, I was optimistic that, you know, it was a, a blip of a, a little bit on the radar of his career performance, but, um, I think he's always been a little prone to bad timing goals, but over the course of a year, he's usually got it back on track, but uh, I don't know how long you can wait right now because there was, I mean, even even the, the Montreal game, he wasn't good. They just outscored the problems, but he was shit on Friday night. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious. I mean, I guess I already know what you guys think because we've talked about it, but I think that he was, he was you know, bad enough in, in those two games that um, a really, really good Jack Campbell performance might have caused keith to go back to campbell um on monday but campbell was good he wasn't steal the job away in one night good um that's kind of i think where 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 i'm at anyway yeah i'd agree with that keith uh like you said the the door was maybe opened a little bit by freddie's less than stellar performance in the first two games but Campbell, he was fine. But I mean, seventeen shots or seventeen saves on nineteen shots against the Ottawa Senators isn't going to be enough to steal the job in the third game of the season. So I think they're definitely going to be going back to Fred. He's still got time to turn it around, but like you said, the time is running out. Well, I mean, we said last week, you know, this is nothing new. We had these concerns, like even predating last season and, and certainly after what happened last season. But, you know, the, the, the slow starting thing has always been there. Uh, so, you know, by not addressing it in the off season, like we kind of thought that they might after after they were eliminated and then became clear quickly that that Freddie was still going to be the guy. My thinking coming in was that, you know, the plan was maybe to let him figure it out. Um, but, you know, he's just not good in those those first two starts. And neither were the was the team as a whole, though, to no, be fair to Freddie. The, the, you're the right. Leafs were probably the second best team in each of the first two games. You're right. But he was swimming. He was swimming yes, out yeah. there. And, and that's the other thing, too, is it's not just the goals against. Right. Like everyone points to whether it was his fault or the defense's fault, yada, yada. But like it, it's about more than that. You, you watch him even on the the ones that don't go in the net a lot of time like you said he's swimming fighting it he, he's not cleaning he's not he's not fielding anything cleanly like even just like f- you know flick shots that are coming in he's kind of biting one way and coming back the other way like he just doesn't look losing good. the net yeah. and, and i yeah. guess that's like kind of what i'm getting at is is you know, we know that the slow starts are a problem. Obviously, we've got the issue where it's a shortened season, and it's probably not going to be a shortened, slow start. You know, we can't assume that he's going to snap out of it, you know, in a timely fashion, uh, prorated to the, the you know, the, the shorter season or anything, right? Like, it, it, maybe it's a month, and then it's, you know, what kind of a hole are we in at that point if, if um, you know, we get, we're getting 880 or, or whatever. That's, that's a... a dream right now i think it's 839 <laughs> right save percentage after those first three games so like and and i guess that that's you know like this is the second year in a row 
uh, with Babcock last year and now with with Freddie, where one of the big issues in the offseason was kind of unaddressed coming into the season, and now it's a story, and now it's a problem. And uh, I, I, I guess I don't know where where to go with that. You know, I, we're obviously big fans of you know what Dubas has done for the most part, but I mean, it's there's no doubt that like this was um, this was a known problem, and we, and we we talked about that. And you know, it's only two games, like we said. Um, maybe he gets it back on track and has a great game against Winnipeg, and then you know they they roll with him for both games against against Edmonton. But um, I mean, if if it is you know another like does he get two more of those one more like do they switch after if it's a rough game against winnipeg like what what do you see the the split being this week with four games if freddie is uh, to quote randy carlisle just okay (laughs) against winnipeg tomorrow night i think there's a chance they go right back to campbell uh for the first game against edmonton um but if Freddie bounces back and you know plays to the level that he's shown himself capable of over most of his career, I think that's the the best case scenario for the Leafs and what they would want to happen is for Freddie to to work this out, make this a non-story. Well, yeah, because and you don't want a lame duck uh, veteran goalie sitting on your bench, right? Because no, that's going to be a bad <laughs> that, 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 who's just best friends with your franchise player. Yeah, yeah, that's it's less than ideal. And, and, and like the other thing too, though, is it's a fifty-six game season. We're all talking about how condensed it is, and, and getting guys rest is going to be important. Like I think with a Wednesday, Friday, even if Freddie does play well on Wednesday, if, if he gets the Wednesday start, I don't think he has to automatically start Friday with because just because it's not a back-to-back. I think even if this wasn't a goaltending controversy, I'd still probably want to see. Campbell in that Friday night, even though there is a day in between. Um, I don't see any issues in getting him starts. No, and, I agree with that. And on yeah. the other side, too, is like, yeah, Campbell, like this slightly off topic, but Campbell, yeah, was was just OK, um, you know, Saturday night. But that's really all this team needs. Average goaltending yeah, with this team we would is take going to just be just okay from oh, Freddie most man. times. <laughs> if, he can, if he can go in that 910 to 912 region. I don't think anybody's going to have any problems unless you get that that trademark Frederick Anderson bad goal at the worst possible time with a 912 like that could still be an issue and that could still cause some ire but just give us league average. Yeah, and we talked about that too Keith like the yeah, some people have been throwing around this idea that the Leafs skaters play harder in front of Campbell than they do in front of Anderson. I don't think that any of us buy that. Um, But there is something to be said for the fact that Anderson is prone to giving up those deflating goals at the most inopportune times. You know, how many times have we seen the Leafs are in a one goal game and they control the play for for a stretch of five minutes or something like that? And the opposing team gets one half decent chance down at the other end after the, those five minutes, and it ends up in the back of the net, and, and yeah. off the rush, it, off the rush, off the wall, just to squeaks in under his arm. And then yeah. from there, maybe it does sometimes look like they aren't playing as hard in front of Freddie anymore, and that's not excusable either. But it is understandable when it becomes a trend that you know you begin to lose the trust and the confidence that you have in the guy back there. 
you, you begin to feel defeated when those goals go in all the time and the momentum is just sucked right out of everything that you've been generating for the, the last few minutes when you're carrying the play. I, I don't know. I think that Freddie's got some work to do to earn back not only his hold on the number one job, but the, the trust and faith of his teammates. And you said it before, Nick, that players aren't robots. There's a human element to the game. So clearly that stuff matters and that does affect people and, and it is deflating. But I don't think that they're lacing up their skates, the, you know, game time when, when Campbell's starting and they're more fired up to play than they would be if it was Anderson. I just, I don't think that that's the case. Yeah. And I mean, to, to the end of, um, you know, these are people like, like I said, you know, he is uh, on the last year of his deal here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's that's affecting him to to a point as well. But uh, he just hasn't been good enough. And, you know, at the very least, I, I think he's played himself back into or, or very close to like a, a platoon situation. If Campbell shows anything here over the next week or so. Right. Because, um, I mean, it's it's a, it's a history now, not just of the, of the slow starts, but over the last, you know, basically season's worth of games um he just he hasn't been good enough and you know we're talking about getting average goaltending i was kind of looking at some numbers just uh you know basic save percentage over the last uh, uh, few years here just comparing a couple of guys that I-, I thought you know could possibly be somewhat uh you know analogous uh, and, and jack campbell being one of them and i was kind of thinking you know if he gets his shot what what could he really be and um I, I I feel like you know looking at another guy who was highly touted, um, not a first round pick, but the first pick I think of the second round, and just a couple years older, who's now emerged as a pretty solid starter, is Jacob Markstrom in Calgary, and like that would obviously be you know. I wouldn't say pie in the sky, but that would be kind of the best case scenario if if Campbell could, you know, become that reliable. But even, you know, something close to that, like we say, we we don't need Hashik back there. What about a Darcy Kemper? He's he was 29 years old last year. I would I would think that last year was probably the first season that really put him on the map. And he's considered one of the the better starters in, in the league right now. So it's not far-fetched for a guy like Campbell to, to get there either. And the door is cracked open a little bit. He's got a chance to, to push it all the way open, I think. So on the goaltending note, uh, we want to mention the waivers that were uh, uh, went down today, which was kind of a big story. Obviously, Aaron Dell, we can probably wave goodbye to him. Uh, we, you know, we'll find out Monday. But um, likely, he's gone. I, I'm not too tore up over the Dell thing. I got like, to be honest. I mean, I don't under, like, I, not that I don't understand. I do understand it, but like you're carrying a guy that you're never going to really play and he's just taking up cap space. I understand that, you know, injury depth and he's a good option to have. Um, but there's going to, if they lose him, there's going to be another goalie that comes on waivers and not, not that too distant of a, of a future here. And, and unless you're planning on trading Fred, what, what do you really need him there for as a third goalie? I guess with these like off nights that Keith's instituted where, when you're off, you're off and you're, you don't have to like Freddie wasn't even dressed, but I don't know. I'm just not, it doesn't, I'm yeah. not as concerned. I think at, injury or COVID yeah, in, that, that would be, yeah, the only I guess thing that would yeah, come COVID, up. I guess COVID's true. It wasn't feasible for them to, it, with their salary cap situation where they can only have the, the one extra player aside from the guys they've got dressed each night on the roster. 
it just wasn't feasible for that player to be a third goaltender, no, a guy that you hope you never have to use. Yeah. So especially, you know, if, if Spezza was also put on waivers. So we'll get to that in a minute. But about the or at, to the flexibility of the bottom part of their lineup, this was something that had to happen. It's unfortunate. It would obviously be nice to be able to hold on to the goaltending depth. But you, you just look around the league and the teams like Edmonton and others that are scrambling for goaltending depth, it, it just there's no way that we were going to be able to hold on to them all season long. Yeah, I mean, I think it was obviously a case where, um, you know, Leafs management realized he, he wasn't going to get through and they were just holding on in the hopes that maybe some of these teams would get their situations resolved yeah. And, yeah. and they could sneak him through at some point. And then the injury happens to Nick Robertson, which we didn't mention and we'll get to. But, um, you know, that was tough and obviously creates a situation where you, you just have to make the move. Force their hand a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll likely go. We hope that Jason Spezza doesn't get claimed. Uh, his agent came out right away and said that, you know, he'll retire if, if you know, anyone but Toronto takes a shot at him. You, th- you think that that would be enough to um, uh, push anyone away, but but you never know. So we'll, we'll find out Monday on that, I guess. Yeah, let's hope. That'd be an awful way for for a guy like Spezza to have to go out. So Yeah, it, you know, he hasn't uh, been super notable to, to start or anything like that, but, you know, he, he's he's a, a rotation guy, and, and I think that you have to take advantage of that situation where, you know, maybe someone claims him and, and it shoots you in the foot, but if you can get him through waivers, it gives you a little bit of flexibility, right, because they've been doing this bumping guys up and down from the taxi squad. I, I don't know exactly what that does, but I assume it does something, and they know what it does, <laughs> So having Spezza gives you options. We talked about the depth that they added, right? Whether it's good, you know, you know, value depth or not, it remains to be seen. But let's see what a, a Travis Boyd has. Like at this point, yeah, like, I'm fine and, with this. And they, with the third goaltender on the roster, they were kind of handcuffed from utilizing any of that depth that they built up at other places on the roster over the offseason. You know, yeah. guys like Miko Lettinen and even like you said, Travis Boyd, who can now get in the lineup if – they weren't going to play Spezza 56 games this season anyway. He didn't play every night last season. There was no way he was going to play every night this season. So th- this was something that he knew was a distinct possibility going into the season. When he signed his contract to come back to Toronto, he knew that there there was a good chance he was going to end up on waivers at some point. He, he sees what the salary cap situation is too. He's not stupid. Um, let's just hope for the Leafs sake and for Spets's sake that he does go through waivers and he can, uh, become a member of the taxi squad and go in and out of the lineup a little more easily. And, uh, Pierre Engvall has been added to that taxi squad as well. And I thought he was already on it, <laughs> <laughs> but back to the Nick Robertson injury, uh, just a, a tough play on that one, uh, awkwardly into the boards and, uh, no result on the MRI at, uh, the time of recording here, but, uh, hopefully we'll hear something on that on Monday. Yeah. What a bummer for a kid to, you know, the organization kept him, well, his decision as well, I guess, to stay back from the World Juniors. And he's been in Toronto since, you know, all offseason preparing for his opportunity to to make the squad. And he finally gets in on the third game of the season. He plays something like two minutes and suffers a knee injury. So let's just hope it's not anything serious that, ke- that keeps him out long term and he can get back in the lineup sooner rather than later even in those couple minutes too there was a couple moments where he got the puck on his stick and and just 
obviously he has all the fucking energy in the world pent up inside of him right now. And he was just, he looked like he could have made things happen on a fourth line. You know, it was very limited amount of time that we saw him on the ice, but just, I think he had a couple, couple times with the puck in the offensive zone that it made me kind of perk up a little bit paying attention to the game. Well, he showed more than Barabanov did in, in very little time, right? Like, you know, we're saying it's it's not much time to, to judge what Barabanov did, but Robertson had even less in just one game and, and Barabanov, yeah. um, you know, it felt like, you know, similar, like small skilled guys, but I felt like Barabanov was kind of trying to throw moves out that NHL defenders are just not biting on like moves through the neutral zone that you know guys who, who are that big and can skate that well are just not going to going to bite and uh, it, you, you look at Robertson like he, he can he can uh, attack a little better I think so I you hope that it's it's not going to be a long-term thing and he's, he's back out there soon um, and obviously we want to absolve perfect uh, blue nose boy uh, Drake Batherson <laughs> of any wrongdoing in this this it was just a, an awkward hit it was clean and uh, we we wish him all the best. He's looked good. He, yeah, he um, yeah. Batherson has looked great in both of those games. They got they got a few guys that look pretty damn good. Yeah, the Senators are building something. It, let's see if uh, Eugene will pay for the rest of the permits. He opens up the old pocketbook. <laughs> if you want a small town Nova Scotia story, I'm in a hockey pool with a couple of guys who coached Drake Batherson. Not, not even in hockey. I think it was like basketball. Uh, one of them coached him in basketball or something and they, they taught him. And this was before the growth spurt. Now he's like 6'3". He's a monster out there. Um, obviously, kind of want to look back a little bit at, at some of uh, the other performances and specifically some of the um, the new additions who we've talked about a lot, but, but Joe Thornton uh, being, you know, prime among them where he was getting uh you know primetime minutes on the top line with with austin matthews and and mitch mariner and uh some some up and down you know results from the first few games like many but uh uh, got on the board with his first of uh first as a leaf uh there against the the sends in in the third game of the season on saturday night um keith what have you thought of him so far kind of exactly what i thought he was going to be like he's he looks good um he makes really smart plays he does things really well um you know in in like little things i guess in, inside the offensive zone um he's not going to take the game over at any point i don't think he's not going to drive the line not that he has to w- with who he's playing with um i don't i don't hate him there i don't necessarily love him being there um i i still kind of think in the back of my head that having hyman up there might be better for the line, but maybe not. I, I, it's hard to say after three games. But, you know, he's, he kind of comes as advertised. He's really fucking smart. Um, you can see him anticipating and, and, and the game kind of coming to him a little bit. Slows things down, um, you know, below the hash marks. He, he, he he's, he's done enough for me to be okay with him continuing to be playing on the first line. Um, but I guess just how much I lo- love Hyman playing there that I, I just kind of have a watchful eye on and hoping that it doesn't go you know two or three games without any points or something like that for them to make that that switch back um but i'm totally cool with it for now and and i think that with the whole switch of having mariner shoot more um obviously plays into having thornton on the ice i think again we talked about this before we we came on on the air here but um mariner he's got maybe pump the brakes a little bit on the shots. Like it, it's, it's kind of getting <laughs> to the point now where he's just firing everything and they're drawn up set plays 
where Matthews is passing to Marner to take the shot. I, I don't fully get that. Um, but that, you know, not to get too far off the point here, I think Thornton's looked fine. Um, and I, I think that I, I don't think the speed thing um, I was a little concerned about going in. I don't, I haven't seen that become something that is a concern yet just because of how he thinks the game. Yeah. I mean, I thought one of the interesting things with, with Thornton was, um, you know, they, they kind of took him off the line there at times late in the Habs game when they were trailing. And it almost seems like, you know, the, the kind of guy that you would uh, put there on a closing lineup rather than having him try to keep up with those guys all game long. Right. And I wonder how much that's going to keep up. But uh, uh, it'll be interesting to monitor that ice time because it's been pretty high through the first three games. I do like him on the power play. I do like him on the power play, though. He's, he's made a few good. Yeah. Plays yeah. They played him a little bit less last night, too. He, he was down to 14 minutes. I think that's that's probably where they'd like to have him and it helps get Hyman a few more shifts with the big guys. Uh, speaking of guys who've been up and down, DJ Brody, um, you know, he had a pretty rough night against Ottawa, needless to say, in the the first game of the back-to-back, but uh, bounced back nicely. That pass off the boards to set up the Thornton goal. Um shades of jake gardner my god <laughs> yeah well we saw some other shades of the other side of jake gardner in the friday game like you said but <laughs> tj right. turned it around big time uh saturday night i thought he he was far more confident with the puck on his stick he was moving the puck well he made a couple of huge plays to break up uh, odd man rushes, you know, sprawling across the middle of the ice. And it, there's a, a timing aspect to that that you know a lot of defensemen struggle with. And, and he did a good job on a couple of them in the Saturday night game. Uh, had a couple of big shot blocks. Uh, still struggling to maybe tie up his man in front a little bit, but I think everyone's still working out the kinks to some extent early in this season. And uh, it was definitely good to see him turn it around uh, after a rough performance in the first game against Ottawa. Yeah. And, and I think that kind of a, a secondary factor to it is that Morgan Riley has been all over the fucking ice. Um, <laughs> he, it, like he hasn't, he, I mean, he looks healthy again. I guess that's one good, one thing to bring up. Um, he battled a lot of injuries last year, but I think that, you know, just much like we all anticipated, he's playing with a competent defensive partner right now. Um, again, had a bad night Friday night, but so did the entire team. Um, I think that whether or not we notice Brody be super effective every night, if it means that Riley's buzzing all over the ice and creating offense, that's that's totally okay. What impresses me with with Brody is just how you know engaged he is defensively. Like his his stick is just so good, uh, you know, in the defensive zone, directing traffic, trying to break up plays. He he's really engaged out there. So uh, you know he's going to have more good nights than bad. Um, but you know you're always going to get those nights, especially from guys who are adjusting to a new system. Uh, Wayne Simmons. Um, I mean, he had the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the fight was great. Um, the, missed, missed an open net. That's about the only two times I've noticed him. Uh, I've noticed him a lot of times when the puck comes to him and he misses it reasons. altogether yeah. or fires it to nobody. Um, it, it hasn't been pretty for Simmons early on, aside from the fight. Uh, but much like everyone else, I, I think he deserves some time to – to work it out a little bit. Um, uh, I'm starting to wonder if he's going to be a guy that's in the lineup every night. Um, I, I guess time will tell. But uh, it, I guess he, he's been valuable on the power play. I, I think he played 
a role in Matthew's goal in the Saturday night game. He provided a, a good screen in front. Like you said, um, I, I don't think he'll be an every night guy pretty soon. Um, the way it's going, like it's, I, I don't imagine it's going to rebound. You know, we, we kind of, we hope that maybe it'd be a bounce back. It, it's kind of been on the decline here for Simmons the last few years. And, um, you know, in terms of a guy who, who's going to drive offense, I, I think those days are past. Um, you know, the, there's still obviously something that he brings, but I, I don't know if you need him to bring it every every night um especially once you know robertson's back and uh you're sorted out there I, you know maybe he, he kind of stays in right now especially like you said power play there, there's some utility there in front of the net uh, making some plays down low but uh, uh yeah i mean like you said it's a, it's a little ugly at five on on five uh at times right now for for simmons well and i think that might have been another reason they they made the decision to to wave Spezza today to create a little bit more of that flexibility in the lower part of the lineup. I I don't think that they're getting quite what they had hoped for from that fourth line. Uh, they've been getting caved in pretty good at even strength, even in limited minutes. Uh, I think if they can insert a, a Travis Boyd, maybe adds a little more quickness and maybe a, a bit more offensive ability to to that fourth line and maybe that helps Simmons get going a little more he doesn't have to transport the puck because as you alluded to earlier Cam Bear Banov was struggling in transition I don't think Spezza's got the wheels to to be the main driver on the line anymore either and Simmons certainly shouldn't be the guy carrying the mail through the neutral zone either so that's a good point I mean if if there's somebody there to to create the offense alongside of Simmons rather than him kind of having to do it himself we might see a little bit more out of him but I, I kind of hoped to see a bit more physicality from him not necessarily in in just the fight but like a, a couple of big hits or something like that I haven't really seen that either yeah he's having a hard time getting there at this point I think and, that, and that's timing right like hit throwing a hit is not as simple as going out and throwing your body at somebody you got to anticipate yeah. it you got to time it there's you know and that's he hasn't played in a long time and you know yeah give him some yeah time. and i think i think that the lack of ice time plays into that too when it's that little like you know if if you're getting like 12 minutes like that's a little bit of time to kind of get into it and warm up especially when you're you know a little older um but when you're you're only getting you know a handful of minutes on the fourth line um it's it's kind of tough to to stay you know engaged with it and and hit the hit the ice you know running when you when you get out there right um, speaking of guys that uh, can't handle a puck, f- I don't want to see fucking Zach Bogosian <laughs> carry the goddamn puck up the ice anymore. Oh, anymore, man. He loves he loves a like. I know Travis Dermott, you know, wheels back and stops and and lets people set up. And, and <laughs> Travis Dermott, I, I kind of feel okay when Dermott's doing behind it behind his own net with the puck on his stick than any player in the <laughs> yeah. NHL. It's hilarious. But but go and but what's funny about Dermott is he'll be at the blue line and he'll turn around. <laughs> he's got outstanding zone exit numbers so whatever he's doing and setting up back there it's working more often than not so it, it's preferable to like what you're saying what we're seeing from bogosian to this point <laughs> well because when you're when you when, when dermot's doing it like you said something typically is going to happen when i'm watching bogosian with it he's he just looks like he has no clue what his next move is and then somebody just kind of comes back and takes the puck from him like uh, yeah he's Maybe in the same sense that uh, I said that Thornton's kind of been exactly what I thought he was going to be. I think Bogosian's pretty much 
you know, I didn't expect a whole lot from him. This is kind of what I thought. Like, he's going to be a big Roman Polak stand-in and maybe hit somebody every once in a while or, or have a slap shot that he gets, you know, to, to walk into from the blue line and hammers it from the top of the circle or something. I, I don't know. I, I'm ready to see Letna know. That's well, I would I can... say that he Bogosian has been exactly what I expected he would have been last year when he left Buffalo and he was a free agent and people were clamoring for the Leafs to sign him then. I was so against it. I wanted nothing to do with him. Of course, the, the Leafs fan in me won out in the offseason and I kind of talked myself into him as a as an effective penalty killer, third-pairing guy a, after the Leafs signed him to that one-year deal. But uh, I think he's probably been, yeah, like I said, what I expected last season when when I didn't want him. <laughs> I think we can put him on the shelf and wait for injuries at this point. I like. I don't. I don't see what he's doing that's giving the team any kind of net positive value. If you want to talk about being harder to play against and you want to talk about being meaner and stuff like that, he's. Nah, I don't really like. He's not driving guys into the boards. He's not making an impact with his physicality either. He's just kind of yeah. And there. well, much like Simmons and you know the, the move to create the roster flexibility, the same thing can be said for Bogosian probably. Where now they. After waving Dell and Spezza, they they'll have the opportunity to perhaps get Letton in, in there for a look. But I fear that it might be Dermot coming out of the lineup rather than Bogosian at first, which I which I disagree with. I mean, in terms of just you know a, a general thought uh, after three games, you know I think we've we've all been pretty consistent that we think that this Leafs team is the best in the division or at least the most talented. And I guess it's easier in the off season to conflate most talented. Uh, with best because like not to say I feel less confident about the Leafs being the best in the division right now but just that this team has like a tendency to play down to their competition right so you put them in a division where they know that they have the best roster and they're playing against these teams all year long uh, you know you kind of got a potential for a bad combo that that leads to the Leafs being the second most competitive team on the ice a lot of nights that's the way that this team has been for years and early results this season don't really give me a lot of hope that things have have changed yet I guess is my my bigger concern and that's something that Keith has been preaching at almost every opportunity that he gets a microphone in front of his face through the early part of this season it's been about competitiveness physicality and consistency so, yeah, I think that's a, a good point, Cameron, about them playing down to their competition and the, the fact that, you know, going into this division and everyone talking about how they have the most talent in the division, uh, it, it could be a recipe for disaster if they aren't able to buck that trend. Yeah, and I think that I think also, to be kind of fair to, and I can't believe I'm going to fucking say this, but that's exactly what Babcock said. I mean, he, he was saying all the exact same things that, that Keith's saying in, in the media availabilities. Now, Keith's actually coaching the team in a different way and, and, and a way that I like personally better. But this whole thing about, you know, being ready to start and, and coming out of the gate and being competitive and being harder to physical and stuff like that, it's copy and pasted from Babcock pressers. Yeah, he wasn't entirely wrong. He was just a dickhead most of the time. <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> 
So moving on to uh, what we have coming up here this week, uh, starts with the Jets on Monday night and some uncertainty around this one uh, over the weekend where the Jets canceled practice on Saturday. Um, they're going to be short a couple of defenders, Nick, uh, for this one, but it looks like all systems are a go. They, they were able to practice on, on Sunday at least. Yeah, I think they... Uh defenseman Tucker Pullman had a, a close contact situation. So he's in the COVID protocol right now. He's not going to be available for the game. Dylan DeMello is staying home from the road trip with his uh, wife and newborn. And uh, I think Line A also left practice on Sunday afternoon. He wasn't able to warm up properly. He's questionable for tomorrow night. So it's going to be interesting to see how the, the Jets bounce back from having their Entire schedule thrown into disarray and now going into their next game, missing a few bodies. It's a weeknight game against the Maple Leafs, so if history's taught me anything, anytime anybody faces any adversity, <laughs> they usually figure it out against yeah. the Leafs. I think that what you're saying here, Keith, is Winnipeg is the new Florida. <laughs> That's right. The South Lease Division Tuesday night special. Which is something that uh, many people believe. Um <laughs> So I watched a little bit of that game against the Flames. They've only played the one. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that obviously um, they've got a pretty solid roster. I, I think that they're probably my pick as a, as a challenger for the Leafs in the division in terms of, you know, just the, the, the depth and the talent that they have. Um, you know, it's it's. Obviously, um, goaltending is going to be front and center. Uh, we we assume that they'll go to Fred for this, um, but you know, I guess that's not a hundred percent. Maybe by the time you're listening, it is. Um, but it's going to be a you know short leash that's what we talked all last pod about and it's just getting shorter yeah well the pressure is definitely on for freddie now he doesn't have too many performances like the ones he's put up so far and going back to last season left before he's finding himself on the bench with more regularity yeah and they've got some shooters uh in winnipeg so Mm -hmm. um it's going to be a good test. Uh, you know, they got Stastny back there as well. I think that he fits in nicely. Like he had a great playoff run with them and, and I thought he looked okay in that, that first game. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that, that depth on the blue line holds up. I guess that's going to be kind of how, how can you attack a blue line that's, that's short a couple of guys right now? Um, that, that'll be a big question. And, and um, you know, we were talking about playing down to competition. Like this is, this is, going to be one of your measuring sticks because again these these are the teams you're playing all year and uh, uh you know winnipeg is is going to be a, a tough test like the habs the sens you know they play solid defensive games you know they're they're competitive every night but uh in terms of uh, you know a track meet um Winnipeg could really uh, do some damage. You know, they've given the least some trouble in, in past years. And uh, you know, Winnipeg has a bit more of that high-end offensive firepower than, than the Leafs have seen through their first three games in Montreal and Ottawa. As, as hard as those two teams played against the Leafs, it, it is a different level of shooting talent, like you said. And then obviously, um, you know, Edmonton is, is another team in, in that category um, where, you know, they're probably if, – if any team is, is 
you know, most likely to kind of push for a playoff spot. They're, they're certainly right up there, I think, with the Jets as well, although they've had a, a rocky start themselves. They got smoked by the Habs there on, on Saturday night. And, uh, you know, it's some of the same issues that, that Edmonton always seems to have. Obviously, goaltending right now is is a problem. I think that any time that Mike Smith gets injured and um, that puts you in a worse position, that's very bad. That's yeah. very bad. <laughs> Oilers fans are already calling for Tyson Berry's head, too. They're just a couple of games into the season. Uh, geez, it might, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. And uh, guys, by the time we get to the end of that Edmonton series, we will be underway for the uh, NWHL season, which begins January 23rd. That's Saturday. And uh, of course, it's happening in uh, Lake Placid. Uh, excited for this. Uh, going to be watching along on Twitch. And uh, the schedule has been released now. And uh, specifically wanted to talk about the Toronto Six, who actually play in the first game of the season, which is on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so uh, they play the 23rd, the 24th, 26th, 28th, and 30th. So they've got a, a pretty jammed schedule. And then it, it goes into uh, uh, seeding round and playoffs from there. So um, it'll be busy and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it. And um, you guys know I had to talk about this because uh, the WNBA has gotten in on the fun in uh, Lake Placid and they are putting um, banners like cutouts in in the stands. And uh, the Toronto Six... Uh, the, the Seattle Storm, who are the reigning champions, they've actually put uh, cutouts for each of their players in each of the, the team's uh, stands, I guess, uh, for this, for, for each of the NWHL teams. So um, the Toronto Six got, got two players from uh, Seattle in their stands. Uh, they have Australian rookie, uh, Ezzy Megbegor. And this this one is one they had to had to put in there. Uh, point guard Jordan Canada, who <laughs> is not Canadian, but um, very exciting stuff. But of course, being a WNBA fan, I had to um, I had to snoop around and just kind of see what what the rosters were like. And the Connecticut Whale, they they far and away, and it makes sense because Connecticut is like a women's basketball hotbed. Uh, they are stacked. Their WNBA <laughs> stands stacked. They have Seattle's best two players. They have the reigning MVP. Uh, they got a bunch of people who went and played for the Huskies in Connecticut. Uh, they're 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 loaded up. So if if that plays anything into the results, I like Connecticut's chances. But we're going to be excited to watch things uh, getting underway in the twenty third. So we're excited to be back, uh, even if, you know, being back comes with uh, a million complaints. That's just what we do as Leafs fans. And uh, uh, we're, we're looking forward to getting a, a, an even bigger sample size to, uh, to continue our Freddie Anderson bitching and moaning. Um, but we, uh, we also want to say thank you. Uh, because we have a, a sharp new look, uh, brand new logo looks real nice and uh nick barden uh hooked us up there right yeah my buddy over at the leafs nation uh doing all our graphics does a lot of great graphic design work for the site over there and uh yeah spiffy new look thanks nick yeah and, and thanks for uh letting us 
overcoach yeah. <laughs> through the process. Yeah, he, he was a saint putting up with all our alterations and, and requests. So, yeah, thanks again, man. It looks slick. Um, big thank you to him. And uh, we never we never do this spiel. I feel like it's it's just it's assumed when you listen to a podcast. But I would love if you would uh, rate, subscribe, um, you know, leave a comment, leave a leave a little note for us. We, we love those. And uh, tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. That's, that's <laughs> the best way. Honestly, I think you, you tell someone that, hey, check this podcast out. I, I, I prefer that to the whole rate and subscribe myself, but <laughs> I'm old school. Um, that's that's the way you got to do it now, I guess. So uh, appreciate it. If you would, uh, you can check us out as well on, on social media. Um, those tags are in the uh, info wherever you may be listening to this. And and if there's a place you'd, you'd like to listen to this that it's not, tell us. Um, we, we were on Spotify, Apple Music, Google, SoundCloud, some of the bigger ones, but uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. Let us know where you listen, and uh, we'll, we'll hook it up. Mr. Whipple, uh, you got new music that you're going to grace our ears with right now. The Backstays, that's that's your group, and um, you, you got a brand new tune that uh, just came out end of last week, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, we, we got it out on uh, on Friday. Um, it's um, kind of a long, a long time coming. Um, we started working on a full-length album in, um, I guess it would have been September or August, I can't remember, of 2019. Um kind of finished it chipped away at it um really didn't know what to do when the pandemic hit because we planned on releasing it in like march april and then kind of doing a little tour um we didn't know what to do so we kind of sat on it um which allowed us to overthink and tweak it a million times which um i think is not uncommon i've heard that from a lot of people in the music world right now um not knowing what to do with music that they're sitting on but um we're, we're we put out a single on friday we're going to put out another single in a, a month or so and then we're going to put the whole album out hopefully in the spring um you know just if it can coincide with us playing some shows maybe outdoors um that would be nice uh but yeah the song's called no hot cargo it was written by uh pete um our lead singer pete johnston um it's a, a bit of a protest song um, and uh, we, we recorded it and uh, co- kind of co-produced it with uh, Romesh uh, Tavanathan from Hey Rosetta. Um, he came down to St. John last year uh, to our studio that we have, um, kind of camped out with us for, for two weeks. Um, and uh, we massively just kind of uh, in, in a mess of chaos and, and uh, late nights put together a 10-song album. And, and this is the, uh, the first single from it. Um, hope you guys like it. Let me know. Send me a tweet. Um, and uh, yeah, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> 